Live from the Star Worldwide Network Studios, it's time for Spirituality for Everyday Living with Melinda Vale. As the medium who makes a difference, Melinda and her guests discuss practical spirituality and how it makes an impact on our everyday lives. And now, here's your hostess, Melinda Vale. Welcome to Spirituality for Everyday Living. I am Melinda Vale, and I have a wonderful young woman. I've just sat beside her for about 10 minutes here, and I can't wait for you to meet her. But before you meet her, I want to tell you what this has to do with spirituality by reading you the lyrics from one of Whitney Houston's songs. I believe the children are our future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Show them all the beauty they possess inside. Give them a sense of pride to make it easier. Let the children's laughter remind us how we used to be. Everybody's searching for a hero. And the hero that I have here with me today from the Children's Museum of Phoenix is Miss Katie Wells. How are you, Katie? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Yes, thank you for being here. You know, Mm -hmm. spirituality starts with children. If we don't start teaching children how to stay in integrity, Mm -hmm. how to understand moral values, how to experience life other than being on the internet, we're going to have a problem. And so tell me what the the museum does for our kids. Oh, I'm happy to. Um, So um, I have the joy to be the CEO of a children's museum. And, And every day we have, you know, hundreds if not thousands of children and their families come through the museum and, um, and we give them opportunities to explore and experience and, and help them stay connected to kind of the preciousness of childhood. And when I say preciousness, I don't mean that every kid gets a trophy kind of preciousness, but really the, the things that children have done for all times in every culture um, that um, bind them to being human, um, which is, you know, sharing and caring and learning to be kind and um, learning about the similarities and differences amongst themselves and other people and different families and, and different family structures. And um, and so um, we've been able to create an environment um, in Phoenix at the Children's Museum that um, helps kids really kind of, kind of brings out those opportunities for them to have conversations and interactions um, between um, themselves and other kids and adults too, um, that they might not have if they're, you know, just home or just home in school. Mm -hmm. So it's just, you know, the beauty of understanding uh, the newness of things uh, through a child's eyes. Yes. Like the wonder of that. Like, you know, my grandchildren are now all older but my husband and I still watch Disney movies because, you know, we, we you know, we'll, yes. we'll just watch them over yes. and over because mm-hmm. they have so much uh, messaging to them and so much interesting um, nuances of energy yes. and so yes. on. And just to feel those feelings of being brand new in life mm-hmm. and how children have to um, learn to get along in society. So yes. what kind of interactive programs do you have at the museum? Well, we have a, a really beautiful art-filled space, um, and um, they everything that is in the museum um, engages children in some kind of learning. So they don't necessarily know that they're learning. Mm-hmm. Um, we've created things so that the play and the activities that they do um, are actually teaching them skills or um, prompting interactions or prompting activities. Um, and so the way we've built things is a child 
um, and our focus is zero to 10 year old, so young children, child should be able to walk up to any exhibit in the entire museum and they should know how to use it based on the experiences they've had so far in their lives. And also, um, it gives them an opportunity to be around other children who maybe are older or more experienced. Maybe they're members and they've been there a number of times. Um, and they get to observe and they get to try things out. Um, and everything's very open-ended um, and beautiful. And there's not a lot of right or wrongs in there. It's more about the, 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 um, the continuum of experience. Mm -hmm. So. Literally, we have exhibits. A two-year-old will walk up to something, and they'll play with it based on you know what they bring with them at that moment. And a ten-year-old can walk up to the same exact exhibit, and they'll use it very differently. Um, but they'll have um, they'll use it in a way that's you know meeting them where they are. Mm -hmm. um, and what we see often when children come time after time, when they're members or maybe they've come on field trips for five years, um, is they use it in one way, and then the next time they come. Um, they feel a mastery over how they did it last time mm -hmm, because they've mm -hmm. grown and they find new ways to discover and learn from it. And so that kind of scaffolding, and scaffolding is very typical, you know, typical kind of uh, phrase that they use in education. It's that scaffolding learning. Um, it's really authentic learning that children are doing on their own versus it being something like, here's your A, here's your stamp, here's yeah, your yeah. The, the affirmation you get from externally, whether it be parents or teachers. But at the museum, they get to really try and explore and master. And um, I love and that so, term, authentic learning. Mm -hmm. You know, unfortunately, I think we've stuck kids in front of a computer oh. or an iPad mm. or a TV or whatever, mm. and they're not doing as much authentic learning as as say my generation yes. or maybe even your generation yes, did. I, I think you're in my children's mm -hmm. generation, but you know, my grandchildren always have, you know, electronics in front of them. And yeah. I've watched mm -hmm. their parents work hard at not having them be exposed to only electronics mm -hmm. and, yes. and to be able to experience other things. You know, we have a 14 year old tough guy grandchild. He's uh, <laughs> six foot, oh, 200 yeah. pounds, right? And uh, we like to travel with him. We like to take him places. We we have since he was young. We've taken some of the other kids too, but they're sports oriented. So a lot of times they're mm -hmm. not Schedule. able to come because yeah, are, that's yes. right. And we took him to San Francisco a couple years ago, and we had one free day where we didn't have designated tours mm -hmm. or whatnot. And asked him what he wanted to do. He said he wanted to go to the Asian Art Museum. That was his choice. Yeah. And I loved yeah. that because yeah. it tells me that that my my daughter and and my son-in-law are exposing him to wonderful things and not just my husband and I and I hope people who are watching this know that you're there that you can teach kids these things that you can yes. that we have some things here yes. in Phoenix available oh, absolutely. that maybe they don't always yes. decide on a hot afternoon that they can go and do that authentic learning yes. so yeah and you know anytime you know whether it be through travel um, which I highly, you know, I, I'm a big proponent of travel um, with your children um, or be exploring your own backyard. I mean, I was just at the Herd Museum yesterday mm -hmm. at a meeting and I had the uh, pleasure of um, doing a little mini tour with the, um, with the executive director. And, um, and I had gotten a, a conversation with one of the docents there who, when I was introduced as being the CEO of the Children's Museum, she said, oh, the tours, the kids that come on tours. And I hopefully, very politely, reminded her that many, many, many children 
um, their first exposure to arts and culture, to different ideas and different ways of living comes through our community's cultural institutions, mm -hmm. whether it be the herd or the art museum, or the science center, the zoo. Yeah, um, and great that, science center. Great yeah, zoo we here. do. We have wonderful so things here in the MIM. I mean, there's yeah, so absolutely. many great resources here, um, and that we really, as adults, need to be patient with what some people see as naughty behavior or bad behavior of children in these spaces that are. Um, sometimes, you know, rarefied, or they seem rarefied, because children, you know, they need to smell the smells and see the seas, and they need to be able to touch things and experience them. And if we, they don't, we're, we're not raising the kinds of people who are going to, in the future, appreciate arts, appreciate culture, understand other people's you know, uh, life experiences. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I, I gently reminded this lovely lady that I hope she took the time to be patient with kids and let them explore a little bit in ways that they learn because it's different than how, you know, me at 53 learns. Um, and they need to use their bodies and use their voices and 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 touch and feel and spell. I mean, don't, don't touch the artwork, but you know, yeah, have no, those more so right. physical and experiential um, experiences mm -hmm. um, so that they can, all their senses can learn. Mm -hmm. And I think as adults, sometimes we make things too um, sacred and we make things too um, hermetic. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's not the way we learned, right? I learned out in a, in a field by my mm -hmm. house and, oh, you know, riding our bikes. Kids don't learn like that these no, days because we don't allow them to. So mm -hmm. even when we have to create more artificial environments for them to learn in, um, we need to let them really experience I so stuff. agree with you because, yeah. again, you know, when we're talking about spirituality and raising souls that are going to help other souls, mm -hmm. we have to raise them in balance and not just going to, to Sunday school or going to, right. to synagogue yes. or mosque. It's about teaching them about culture mm -hmm. and art and yes. beauty and things that mm -hmm. they need to be exposed to mm -hmm. so they can be well-rounded mm -hmm. souls. And, yeah. you know, before I talk to you about your adventures mm -hmm. traveling with your children, uh -huh. I want to ask you, what drew you to be here at the Children's Phoenix? Like, you're a very accomplished young lady. Like, thank I you. saw all kind of wonderful oh, things you. about you. You, you are a uh, you volunteer for all kinds of different boards and um, you've been a uh, an award-winning businesswoman, and mm -hmm. like you're a very accomplished young woman. You. Tell me how you landed here, and what drives you. Like yes. as we're talking about spiritual people, people who volunteer on different boards are very spiritual people because they care about their community, they care about causes, and somebody that's entrepreneurial and, a, and a, an award-winning business entrepreneur or whatever has some kind of a focus or some kind of a, an additional oomph in their vibration that I want you to talk to, <laughs> to me. So on those two yes. things, would you please talk sure. to me about those? Um, well, so a lot of people maybe don't know about me um, that I actually um, was one of the founding members of the Children's Museum. So when I was 28, I had some girlfriends that had young children, as did I. I had my first daughter by then. And we had been to children's museums around the country um, independently and together. And we, we came, literally came together in a living room with like my neighbor who was an attorney and my daughter's pediatrician and just some like-minded people who cared about kids. And we were all active in the community in different ways. And um, we were like, how could we not have a children's museum in Phoenix? We were, at the time, had just become the fifth largest city in the country. And there were already 350 children's museums in other cities around the US. Mm -hmm. 
and we were the only major city of the top 200 largest cities in the country that did not have a children's museum. And so we literally threw money in a, in a hat, in a bowl actually, and um, we took the money and we, we filed our 501c3 incorporation papers. And about a month later, we held our first traveling exhibit, Museum Without Walls. And we went out to a pumpkin patch on the west side. And for three weekends, we collected AOL email addresses, because that's how long ago it was. Mm -hmm. And those email addresses, we got about 25,000 families who were also interested in the idea of children's museums and had been to them with their kids around the country. Um, we, we became kind of a, a bit of a force um, for advocating for early childhood. Because we, our joke was back in those days that um, that going to the Playland, the McDonald's, was like a was a great thing to do on a you know a, a, a an afternoon during mm -hmm. the summer here because it was almost nothing for small children, um, and certainly nothing that focused on their education and well being and their development. Um, and so from those very humble beginnings out of the back of my Volvo station wagon. Um, um, literally, um, we created, you know, the beginnings of this concept. Um, in 2001, the city of Phoenix uh, put aside $10.5 million for the city of Phoenix bond election. And with that money, they purchased the Monroe School, which is this amazing, beautiful um, 1914 territorial school that's our home. Mm -hmm. um, and a few years later, after raising a bunch of money and a bunch of community awareness, we opened our doors. And we're actually really excitingly about to, well, we're going to be on the city of Phoenix bond election um, this November 7th. And with that, um, and if it passes, we'll receive another 5.37 million, and we'll be able to finish renovating about 27,000 square feet of our 80,000 square foot building. Awesome! So vote yeah, for so we're that. growing. Yeah. I know it's vote so exciting. For, vote, yeah. please vote, vote if you're a city vote. of Phoenix voter. Yes, um, it's very exciting. So um, it just gives us the more. We we serve about between 350,000 and 380,000 children and families a year and we're bursting at the seams mm -hmm. as phoenix grows we need to grow too mm -hmm. and more than ever especially post-covid um the ch these ch young children really need um um they just need to have you know experiences outside of their home and their computer screens getting back to as a long way <laughs> but get off the off the screens well, and sure. i mean they, um, the, the whole yeah. trauma for 10 year olds i mean in their uh, whole developmental yes. Life, there's three years of fear and who yes. knows what, yes. you know, that's mm -hmm. been thrown at these kids. So, yes. of course, they need a place like that mm -hmm. so that they can yes. reconnect to life mm -hmm. and understand one of my, it. Yes, one of my daughters is, was a teacher, and um, she had a Montessori classroom, and she, she had um, kinder first and second graders um, last year. And so her um, second graders were online kindergartners, um, and that was a disaster. The first graders missed their preschool year because they didn't, they didn't have, there was nothing. Mm -hmm. And the, sec the first kindergartners were two. So they spent their second, third, and fourth years of their lives at home mm -hmm. um, and all kinds of varying conditions. And, and my husband and I and learned that we so know nothing much. about fifth grade when we helped our, <laughs> when we helped our kids out with, Oh, don't ask how oh, they do math now. Man, I know. No, 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 no. But you know that, I mean, it took a village then because yes. my, my kids were frontline workers. Yes. So we took my grandchild mm -hmm. and worked from home and, you know, it did really create yes. some different yeah. kind of energy for the Absolutely. kids. Absolutely, the needs are we. Um, you know, we really track um, the um, 
our programs and the participation and the educators that work at the museum um, who are just amazing, um, they um, estimate that the kids are about 18 months behind in their um, social and emotional development. Mm. Um, and academically, we don't really keep track of where they are academically, although we know from our, our, our peers and that are in the classrooms and in the trenches there that they are also behind. Mm -hmm. And I hear the studies like everyone else does, but but from a social emotional um, standpoint, we are looking at you know kids that are coming in as first graders on field trips behaving more like our preschoolers and our young kindergartners behaved pre-COVID. That makes so, sense to me, really. Yeah, and that's a, a sad statement of what happened, oh, but yeah, I guess that means that we need places yeah. like the Children's Museum yes. more and more and yes. more. And, there has to be a better awareness in our community to make mm -hmm. sure that you get there. Yes, but, yeah. thank you. Yes. Yeah. So you're a founding, I father, am. A founding father. I, right, I, I am. That. That's it's, awesome. Yes, it's, it's really, it's the joy of my life. And I feel so honored that so many families, trusts and teachers and caregivers, you know, trust um, me and what we have created, because it's certainly a group effort, um, what we've created um, to be impactful in their kids' lives. It's mm -hmm. really a joy and an honor. What makes you volunteer to be on different, you're on different boards. I am. What kind of boards yes. are you on? Well, I'm currently only on two boards um, um, because I'm in this bond election campaign cycle. Um, but I actually, you know, I look for boards that either benefit the museum um, and my work um, or that speak to my heart. Mm -hmm. um, and something that I find in addition to early childhood education, all education really, um, that really speaks to me is housing stability. Um, and so I have been on a couple of different boards that focus on um, either low or moderate income housing and making sure that families, you know, have that stability. Um, that's one of the biggest indicators of the success of a child is do they have a stable home environment? Mm -hmm. um, and then also on the opposite end of that spectrum, um, do seniors have places that are safe and caring and um and are we, you know, w w those vulnerable groups of people or mm -hmm. that can be the most vulnerable? Um, and do they have safe places to be and to thrive? And so um, for years, I was on the board of an organization called Trellis, mm -hmm. um, which provided uh, low and moderate income housing. Um, and they're an amazing organization. And I'm currently on the board of the Beatitudes Campus, mm -hmm. which is a uh, continuing care residential community. It's a nonprofit. Um, there's lots of for-profit ones out there, and Beatitudes has been around since the 50s mm -hmm. and as a nonprofit. It used to be affiliated with the Beatitudes Church. Mm -hmm. Many people have seen that on Central and Glendale. Um, and they're a separate entity now, but they serve about 900 um, moderate, low and moderate income seniors. And um, they provide such a backbone to our community. Um, and so I'm very passionate about um, kind of all of the ends of the housing spectrum and making sure people are. Mm -hmm. And then I have professional boards that I'm on to. I'm very involved with Phoenix Community Alliance, which helps ensure that our downtown is vibrant and growing and, and growing to benefit all of Phoenix, not just the downtown core. And I work on mayor's initiatives when she asks nice. Mayor Gallego. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, I try to stay involved. And I think it's really, I think it's all of our, I mean, we have this, you know, we live in this amazing country and we have all these amazing um, benefits from being here. And I think it's all of our um, responsibilities to, to give back in whatever way we can. And mm -hmm. Do you mind if I share something that you said to me before we started? Sure. And then talk about it just a okay. bit. Because... You know, you're so amazing, 
And one of the things you said to me when we sat down together was, well, you know, I'm not really sure whether I'm exactly spiritual. And, <laughs> and here I'm listening to you click off things that are so spiritual, so amazing, because what is spirituality if it's not about caring for your youth and your elders, being community-minded, being active and responsible, being kind to others? I mean, you're the epitome of spirituality. <laughs> and I just have to say that to you that you oh, said, well, I'm you. not sure, but I'm pretty sure by sitting here and listening to oh, you, you that you are. You know, I had a client at the Beatitudes. Uh-huh. Oh, 30, it was about 30 years ago. Yeah. He was, um, his wife had called me and said that he was anxious because of being bed bound. Oh. So I used to drive up, go mm. into his room, hypnotize him for anxiety, hold his hand, talk with him, had a spiritual conversation with him, and then then drive home. And I did that for about, I don't know, maybe two years before he transitioned. And it was one of my most favorite people of my whole life. It was in the very beginning of when I first started doing this, and I felt very honored that this elderly man was... You know, mm-hmm. so, you know, and he would cry sometimes when he talked to me. And it was just yeah. that level of vulnerability was such a uh, heart-to-heart connection between yes. he and I. It was Sounds wonderful. Like yeah. Oh, thank so, you for sharing that with yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. So tell me about this trip you took with your kids because I am really yes. interested in yes. what you and your husband chose to do there. Tell us about that. Yeah, so I, I, I always laugh that, you know, if there's anyone that, like, I, I walk the walk, and I think that... Um, children having real authentic experiences, like I mentioned earlier, so important. And, um, you know, we can read the the books about what other countries are like and what governmental systems and what religions are like, but there's nothing like seeing it. And, you know, we have the, um, we have the amazing opportunity to be able to travel. Um, and so when our kids were, um, gosh, I think our little one was eight and our, our older daughter was... 12 when we left and we backpacked around the world for 14 and a half months and we went to 23 countries and um and we you know i mean really the purpose of the trip was for the kids to see very firsthand um i always said like you know what government and religion and society and and what people how how they how they the similarities and the differences i think i said that earlier too i think that's Mm -hmm. You know, for young children, seeing, finding similarities amongst themselves helps them like, like relate, right? All of us. That's not just young children. Mm-hmm. There's always something you can relate to someone on, mm-hmm. with or with. And um, but then also there's differences in the way we live, in the houses, and what our family dynamics are, the religions, the things we believe, in, our government systems, our our economies. Um, I remember going to we went to China. It was what was one of the countries, and it was really interesting to explain the kids. So they have communism, but they also have capitalism and many people are Buddhists but they're not allowed to be and how does that manifest itself and how does that look different than the Buddhists that we met in Thailand mm-hmm. who have a same kind of economy but a different Chinese so of government how do you con you know how do you you um, how do you look at that and and um, understand it at least 
theoretically? And then how does that p affect people's lives on a day-to-day -day basis? And even though they were pretty young, they got it because they were like seeing it firsthand. Mm. And they Second were, grade and seventh grade would um, be? Phoebe missed third, uh, fourth grade. Fourth grade? And Tess missed seventh grade. Seventh grade, okay. So yeah, so we took them out. Um, they were in a phenomenal Montessori school. And so they were kind of in that experiential learning. We officially homeschooled them. I air quote that because we started out really strong and we had all these lessons and books and we continued on with reading and with math. But, every, but our travels became their lessons. I, I mean, one time we were in, we were leaving China in three days, heading to Vietnam and we didn't have any money left. And so my daughter's like, lesson for that day was, here's how much money we took out in China how much we've spent so far in the 20 some odd days we had been there is there you know you need to figure out the average of what we've spent and then we need to figure out what we still you know these three days have left and then we're going to go out and take out that much money and that's what we're going to have because mm -hmm. you can't find this was this is almost 15 years ago you just can't find atms you know like in every street corner we needed to be pretty sure about it and we you know helped her with the math and we walked her through it but then kind of gave her the responsibility to be like hey like this is our budget for the next three days in this foreign country with no access to more resources i mean we could have always gone but it was such a great lesson for her in so many ways to really think about like what things cost and what choices did we want to make while we were there about do we want to eat you know, street food and spend very little money, or we were going to go to restaurants where we were going to stay, what our modes of transportation were. So all these conversations with her and her figuring all of this out was like better than any school mm -hmm. um, you could ever go to. And, and you were just sharing um, earlier with me about bringing your grandson to um, San Francisco and and, um, you know, the school was a little bit up in arms mm -hmm. about you taking him out Pulling of school. Pulling him out of school for that. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I just can't even think of one single lesson my children ever had in school. And that's, and it's not, I mean, they had one of amazing schools. They had great experiences. But I can't think of one single day that the, the work they did that day was so impactful that it was more impactful than the worst day traveling. Actually, the worst days traveling are sometimes <laughs> the most informative and you right. learn the most. But I mean, having those experiences is you, you, you just even and you don't have to travel far to have those experiences. You can go to the museums in our in our town. You can go down to the river. You can, you know, go to Roosevelt Row and, and Or you can and, do it in your own home. You can yes. have a Chinese day. You yeah, absolutely. can have an Irish day. Yes. You can have a yeah. you know, whatever day and yes. teach at home some yes. of those things. Yeah. If you don't have the the money and the mm -hmm. means, do some recipes, yes. listen right. to some of the languages, Absolutely. look at some of the holidays, mm -hmm. understand Eat some a of new the fruit cultural. that's from that part of the world. Yeah. I mean, there's really so many ways that you can, um, you know, um, share with kids. At the end of the day, like I said, they like to smell the smells and taste the tastes mm -hmm. and hear the hear the music and, and it's a touch small the things. World right now, they it need really to know is. those things because yes, it truly. is a small world. It connects them, yeah, right? With absolutely. Yeah. So how'd your kids turn out? I bet you they're deadbeats now. I bet you they're terrible deadbeats that you did that. I honestly, <laughs> I hit the kid lottery. I truly did. I really hit the kid lottery. I'm um, I'm so proud of the people they are. My my um, older child. Um, um, ended up graduating with her with their masters or bachelor's and masters from 
um, from MIT, mm -hmm. and they are splitting their time between Italy and um, Massachusetts, mm -hmm. um, and doing things that I, you know, I think will end up on Mars someday. And uh, my younger Wonderful. daughter, yes, is um, is um, about to go to law school and work. She wants to work in education policy. Um, so they're and they're, but they're nice people, and they have friends that adore them, and and uh, they have good taste in partners, mm -hmm. and um, and they are. Um, really people of the world. And I am proud of them for That's that. Wonderful. Yeah, for that. Well, you yeah. know, my oldest child is your age, right? Um, and uh, I think your greatest accomplishment in life is, spiritually speaking, is to not repeat the karmic patterns of the generations before uh -huh. you. So my children have a higher education, and the, that's not... Um, a norm in my family. Mm -hmm. So that, that broke that cycle. They're all in the healing arts. Two out of the three of them wow. are social workers. Wow. But you know, it's, it's, that's, that's the point of what we're talking about today. You want to be able to put your child into a situation where they can handle anything that the yes. world becomes. Yes. And that's the spiritual yes. way to help yes. your child mm -hmm. to develop and to have the kind mm -hmm. of community dedication mm -hmm. that you have and the social conscience that mm -hmm. you have and so on so Thank you're you. a leader in your Thank generation you. Thank you. So how do we get to the Phoenix Museum? What do we do to go there? Yeah, so um, yeah, so the Children's Museum is um, on the corner of Van Buren and 7th Street in downtown Phoenix, but not in the one-way street part, so it's really easy to get there. We have our own parking on site. Um, and we actually have a really fun new traveling exhibit that we are promote, premiering this weekend. It's from Pittsburgh, and it's by this fabulous um, author named Mo Willems. He has a bunch of children's books. Um, the most probably um, known one is called Who Let the Pigeon Drive the Bus? Ah, and nice. it's clever and fun and something new that we don't normally have. It's only there for three months. Um, but we um, are open right now seven days a week. And we have great air conditioning and the still warm weather, mm -hmm. um, but it is a beautiful art and fun and fun-filled space that's just really, um, just really a joy. I think. And, and going back to what you were saying about the Disney movies mm -hmm. and how much you enjoy them, um, I think that that's one of the things the museum has um, done well is um, we make it fun and beautiful for adults, too. Uh, um, because, you know, at the end of the day, we're all kids at heart. True and that. there's always something we can each learn. And, um, and so or we learn better. You learn, learn better, learn yes. Better, yeah. um, definitely, you know, we, all of our exhibits are um, designed and fabricated by local artists. Mm -hmm. Everything's, you know, beautiful and interesting material. So there is something for everyone there. That's so fantastic. I, yeah, so I hope people... You haven't been there, give it a try. Absolutely. Or if you haven't been in a while, borrow a kid if you don't have any littles in your life that's anymore right. and come on back. That's that's yes. awesome. Yeah. Well, Katie, thank you so much for oh, being with me today. Oh, it was my pleasure. Today. Thank you for inviting and, me. you know, I just think that you are an absolutely awesome young woman. And it thank sounds you. like you raised amazing kids. And it sounds like you're part of the village that helps yeah. us raise yes. ours. Well, so, they help raise me too. So, yeah. <laughs> very good. So, um, awesome. thank, thank you. you so much. Yes. And this is Spirituality for Everyday Living. I'm Melinda Vale. See you next time.